0: Welcome to the Be The Light Crown Edition podcast. I'm Hannah Frey, your host and pageant queen extraordinaire. Fun fact, while most people are resistant to change, I'm excited by it. So this podcast is designed to allow me to be the light for others. By sharing my experiences across countless topics where I demolish my fears, prejudice, expectations, and rebuilt brick by brick. My hope is I can encourage you to seek knowledge, implement change, and above all, trust in God. So let's get to it. It's time for some mute time. Hello everyone. And welcome back to Be The Light Crown Edition podcast. Today, we are back to our regularly scheduled content where we will be doing a topic that relates to mental, physical, or spiritual health. And today we're going to be actually diving into foster care. And those of you who follow me on social media, probably have an idea of why that might be the topic for today. However, I think that foster care in and of itself is, it's a service, it's an act of love, it's an act of sacrifice. And it definitely can, you know, bleed into all areas of health, whether that's your own mental health, whether it's taking care of the physical health and needs of another one. So really excited to dive into this and share my personal story with foster care. And I imagine that this will be a multi-part series. So this is going to be part one. And then as I progress more into having been a part of foster care and caring for other children, I likely will have additional episodes to share. So we're just going to go ahead and dive right in. I, of course, always like to start with just a little bit of background. And I'll think a lot of folks are kind of curious, like what prompted Skylar and I to become a certified foster home. So in terms of background, so we, we haven't necessarily been terribly involved with someone or a family who Um, had been involved with foster care until we moved to Mississippi. And there are a lot of great families at our church, East Point, who are foster families and foster members. And it definitely just brought back the memories and the experiences of you know, my, my mother actually gave up her first child that was born to her for adoption. And so he was reunited with our family when he turned 18, it was an open adoption and he chose to come and meet us and, and get to know us. I want to say it was for Christmas or Thanksgiving uh, after he turned 18 and has been a part of our family ever since, which is just really cool. And so I obviously understood and was familiar with the sacrifice it takes, you know, from the mother's perspective and um, just understanding what, you know, my mother went through in that regard. And additionally, Skylar has experiences as well. So his father was actually adopted at the age of eight, I want to say, from a boy's home in St. Louis. And so he spent, you know, a large portion of his young childhood in foster care as well before he was adopted into a home. So we both, were definitely influenced. And I think that that's just how God works. He works in mysterious ways. And so kind of seeing these families in our church interact with children that they were fostering, or in many cases had fostered to adopt, and just kind of reflecting on my own experiences and his own experiences, we really just, you know, early this year, we're kind of looking at each other like, you know, we know that we don't want to have more biological children. We We're very confident and, you know, um, assured in that decision, and that hasn't changed for us, but we were simultaneously feeling like there's room in our heart and there's room in our home for another child and just kind of wrestling with that, and so this just really was just laid on us and laid on our hearts, and we actually made the decision Uh, on my birthday, February 23rd of this year, 2023 to apply for foster care. And so that was the initial step. And so that's why I kind of want to go into, um, we've talked a little bit about our decision to foster, um, kind of backing up though, there were a lot of conversations that took place prior to that. So, you know, we really wanted to understand what what were the responsibilities like what were the expectations what were the timelines what was the time and the cost commitment and those are all valid questions and things that you should know and that fortunately was easy for us to discern as it is different in every state right Um, it was easy for us to discern for Mississippi because we did have so many members of our church and just in our circle that had gone through those experiences so it was simultaneously the Lord laying what he did in our heart kind of reflecting on our experiences and then also just connecting with like-minded folks in our community who had already gone through that. So that kind of wraps up our overall decision to foster. So the next piece that I want to talk about for the podcast is actually the certification process, because I have gotten a lot of questions on that. So as I mentioned, on my birthday, we decided to submit the application, and that was just like a, like a one-pager, like very straightforward. Um, from that point forward, I want to say within the first week, we actually received a call from our, who would then become our licensing worker, Nicole. And she was like just over the phone, kind of assessing, hey, we got your application. Why are you interested? Like tell me more about know what your goals are and so from there uh, she scheduled uh, the initial home visit and so she came to the home I don't remember how quickly after that that it was um, but it wasn't terribly long and so Skylar was there I was there the kids were there and she just asked like the questions that you should be asking like why do you want to foster are you fostering to adopt or And you don't have to make that decision and, like, stick with it. But she was just kind of curious, like, what were your motivations? Like, what are you hoping to get out of it? What made you interested? She wanted to know a little bit about us, like, our backgrounds and things of that nature. And obviously understand, like, our aptitude and our stability for being a foster home as well. Which I appreciate, of course, that the system is making those efforts and, you know, properly vetting homes to the best of their ability. So, That was kind of the initial conversation. It was very like high level, nothing crazy. Um, From that point, that's when like the work really started. So I would say that was about maybe a month in. Um, From that point, we were given like a series of things we were going to have to do to get fully certified. And so that included... Um, there were some online courses that we had to take. There was a full day of in-person learning that we were both required to take, and it's only offered once a month. So that definitely um, held things up for us. Um, there were some months that, that Saturday we just were busy or not available, and then Skylar and I had to split up whenever we went um, just because of childcare reasons. And so that was a big piece. And then the background checks. And so they're very extensive, which, again, is great and, like, very important. Um, for us, there was just some difficulty with our background checks because we lived in Indiana so for the most part um, the, they're a national base but there were certain states so you have to do an additional like state specific background checks so, like those took a while um, We had to go in for fingerprinting to like a physical location and do that and I want to say when we were there there was something else that we had to do but it was definitely like the fingerprinting. I think that covers everything. Online coursework, the in-person all day, the fingerprinting, the background check. And then there was the actual like home study or home visit, like the very in-depth one. And so that's the one where we were given a list of things ahead of time that people often don't have or miss. Um, Some of the really funny ones for me that I'm glad that we had to do it, but it just wasn't a part of our home, you know, before as we were required to have a, um, It was a ladder, essentially, from the two-story. So every two-story home is required to have, like, a fire safety ladder, like a window one. So it's, like, rolled up and you, like, throw it out of the window in case of a fire. I was, like, that was expensive to buy. But, like, yes, I am glad that I have that. Um, Having fire extinguishers that are big enough in, you know, both upstairs and downstairs. Admittedly, we only had one downstairs in the kitchen. So, like, that was good to do. Um, A little bit of annoyance with, like, water safety, which, again, understand water safety. We have our hot tub that has a very heavy cover on it, but we were required to get like a, like a water net. Like if a kid were to fall in and we have this hook that we can like hook them out, y'all, I I had to laugh because she even was like, I know this seems ridiculous. Like it's a hot tub. Like I promise you, if a child falls into the hot tub, it's up to my, my, my waist. I'll just get, I'll just get into the hot tub. So that was kind of funny. Um, and was something that came back, um, that we had to correct, um, obviously smoke detectors, carbon monoxide detectors, um, of course, the child needs to have their own space for sleeping and has to have a bed. So in our case, we um, you can choose the age groups that you're willing to foster. Oftentimes, they will still call you like outside of that. You can even be specific to like a certain gender. Uh, again, they will call you probably anyways outside of that. Um, but we were certified for zero to five. So because of that range, we had to have both a crib and a toddler bed. So we have both in our guest room. Um, which is just kind of made me laugh because we have the crib just hanging out in there right now, not being used for anything. Um, so yeah, I had to have those things in place. Most of like safety stuff, um, you know, no exposed water. uh, Oh, and then of course outlet covers like all over the house which we already had in place so we had that list ahead of time she came in she checked everything and she had to take pictures of everything every closet from every angle like very extensive quote-unquote photo shoot of the whole property just so they could document it for our file um and then from there it, it took time for them to actually process the application so once i had everything collected oh and how could i forget a big part of what took a lot of time, too, is the financial stability piece. So we had to give very extensive records into our finances, tax records, um, a copy of all of our car insurances, a copy of all of our anything that we owed money on the house, a mortgage, car loans, all the property that we own, like proof of that, registration, um, uh, W-2s, um, like pay stubs. I mean, it was it was a lot. Like way more than I have to do when I file my taxes. I'll say that much. Like it was so much paperwork that we had to submit, which again is fine. I understand. Um, so that, yeah, that was another big key. So that kind of all goes into your file and they take all that together and then they process it. It took, um, I want to say about a month for it to even process. So we found out that we were, Uh, certified, um, mid July. So it was actually a few days before I went to Boston for the very first time to my work, um, that we were like, okay, it's official. Like we got our certificate and everything. So that was cool. Um, and that kind of encompasses the certification process. For some folks, it might be longer. There might be more roadblocks, whether there's like something on your record or someone on someone's record who's in the home, or if you're just having a hard time getting a certain safety thing approved or, or worked through, or if your worker just moves slower. But for us, that timeline was roughly, again, February 23rd to like a little before July 23rd. So um, about five months. So yeah, that's, that's the whole certification process. Okay, so now we're going to move into those first few weeks of being certified because that was kind of the scariest for me. Um, I know I personally was very thankful that my work has a, um, a paid lead policy for foster placements. And so for me, I can get up to four months fully paid. I chose to take that intermittently. So I take Mondays and Fridays as a half day so that I can accommodate. I assumed I would accommodate home visits or, um, visitations for their, their visit plans. Uh, any therapy that's needed, any time just needing to spend, you know, bonding with the child, things like that. So that's kind of how I took it. But I had the opportunity to take up to four full months, which was kind of cool. But also it's per year. So I wanted to save that in case, you know, we had multiple placements. Again, I didn't really know. Um, So of course I was letting my boss know early on, like, look, we're about to be certified. Like, I don't know how quickly things are going to happen. And they moved so much quicker (laughs) than we ever could have anticipated. Um, Essentially, we... Like I guess it was like mid July, and by day three, we got our first phone call. And the first phone call was for two five year old boys. And I was like, oh, we can't do it. Like, we don't physically have the car space in both of our vehicles to tow around four kids. So I had to say no, and I was like, Whew, wow, like that was hard. Like, it kind of hit me emotionally. Um, a few days later, I want to say that was like a Thursday or a Friday, like a Monday or Tuesday of the next week, got another call. So our second call, and it was for a three-month-old baby boy who was actually at um, the hospital with um, like shaken baby syndromes. He had a brain bleed. He had like a broken leg. Just like so sad. And I mean, it almost makes me want to cry right now. Like I was absolutely hysterical because just thinking like what that child's gone through and how sad that is, but also just knowing that like we couldn't be the right home and the right fit. And sometimes you have to say no. And that's something that a good friend of mine, Amelia, she had said early on, like you're going to get calls for things outside of your range or outside of what you guys are capable of. And it's okay to say no. And you should say no because that's not what's best for that child. Like They will find another placement for them. And I really appreciated kind of hearing that from, you know, folks in our circle because it's true. Like that was hard to say no, but I I had already agreed with my boss that I wasn't going to take a full four months off. And so taking care of a medically fragile child is a full-time job and I have two kids of my own and all this other stuff going on. So I did have to say no to that. And then it was about maybe not even like three more days. y'all. I mean, like it was like so fast and it was on a Friday for sure. <clears throat> 'Cause I had just had my one on one with my boss the day before and I remember saying, It it'll probably be a while, like we've gotten a few calls, but we keep having to say no. Literally the very next day we get the call for Journey, who is our current foster placement child. And, you know, she's uh four years old and so we were like, Okay, that fits the range, it's only one child, you know. Um and so we were sky I was like, Okay, let me talk to my husband. And I called Skylar and I was like, "Look, like she's four, like she doesn't, you know, doesn't seem to be like medical fragileness or that, you know, we don't know a lot about her case, and I can't share a lot with y'all anyways, just to protect her privacy." Um, but we were like, "Okay, we feel like we can handle this. Like, we feel like she could be a good fit, and we could really, you know, take care of her and serve in that way." And so I called them back and I was like, "Okay, like it's a yes." And so that was um early in the morning, or like late morning. And uh, they dropped her off that evening at like, I want to say 6 or 7 p.m. And so, and she had been in the system for like two weeks already. So um, there was, they had to like reallocate her placement. So it was, it was wild. And the really great thing was my same friend, Amelia, was here in person and shows she was able to like help kind of, guide those conversations with that initial social worker, um, cause it's different than the licensing worker. So it's not the same person that I've been working with to get certified. And, uh, in this case, we just didn't have a lot of information and not that that's normal, um, or that it's anyone's fault, but we really just to this day continue to not have a ton of information about like what's going on with her or her history or where we're headed and, um, more on that for sure. But yeah, so that was that was the first few weeks, the first few calls, and we got a placement pretty quickly. So I know for some folks they wait a lot longer, especially if they're holding out for like a very specific age, even within that zero to five. If they're like wanting a newborn or what have you, Um we had also talked about I, don't, I think I missed this piece that we knew very certainly that we did not want to have a newborn. So I just really struggled, and I've shared this on my podcast before, really struggled with postpartum anxiety and depression. And although I do I do believe it would be different since I didn't, like, birth a child and I didn't have all those homo- hormone issues, we just are very happy with our lifestyle right now where, like, we've got kids who are kind of mobile and, you know, can, like, hold their own head up and um, we can travel and, and do fun things like that. So just selfishly, you know, for uh, just for our... Yeah, our sanity and for our lifestyle, we knew that we wanted a child that was at least probably one, um, and not really older than Everett either, because you know I don't really know how to parent past four at this point. So uh, it was it was a good fit. So she actually is um, just a, pretty much Everett's exact age. I, I don't want to obviously give her birthday information away, but she's um, almost you know very close to Everett's age. So it's it's kind of fun. Um, so yeah, that's the first few calls. The Next thing that I want to – oh, and then just to call out, so it's been about um 10 weeks that we've had her um, as of Friday, so 10 weeks. And so just want to give you a little bit of a recap of what those first few months have looked like, some of the highs and some of the lows. I know that a lot of folks have really been curious, like how are things going with her, um, especially knowing how hard it was in those first few weeks for us, which I'll share in a moment. And I just want to encourage folks that like – this is normal. Like that's the feedback I got from other folks as well. Like a lot of the things we're experiencing, totally normal expected. They are hard, but it doesn't you know, necessarily mean it's a bad thing. It's just, this is foster care. And so um, I know many of you as well have expressed interest in like hearing about our experiences because you may also want to become a foster home or foster to adopt. So I want to be as transparent as possible because I think it's important not to, to sugarcoat things too much. Okay. So so the last piece of the podcast I want to talk about is, of course, um, kind of the first few months. And um, I'll focus first on the on the first week, um, the very first night, actually, uh, no issues, right? So she, like, came in immediately, Everett and her were, like, running around and playing, and I was just like, wow, this is great. Like, they're getting along so perfectly. Kellen was happy just, like, to kind of tag along and follow around. Um, the first night, you know, some, some night tears, some issues falling asleep, that persisted for about two weeks where she would kind of cry and scream, um every time we try to put her down for, for nighttime, she also, I don't believe had ever napped. And so nap times were a really big struggle. Um, a lot of like, I think abandonment concerns. Um, she would say things like, but it's daylight outside. I'm like, yeah, it's a nap. <laughs> like we love naps in this house. So we had to really, really start ground level with her. Um, one thing that I've been able to reflect on is how, uh, grateful I am, uh, and how blessed I am that my children are just very emotionally mature, even for kids their own age that are like not traumatized. And I would equate her social skills to that of lesser than a two-year-old, frankly. Um, I think that even Kellen, who's two, can sometimes communicate his needs better than she can um, and regulate his emotions better than she can, which again, all normal, all, all part of the trauma I assume that she's gone through. Um, and so that was just hard because you've got this – four year old who's she's you know, she's bigger in stature, um, taller, you know, than Everett, but just like our expectations just really had to be uh, tampered. And so we did work up slowly to naps, started with like a little bit of quiet time, quiet time with me in the room. And then we did some, you know, started with shorter periods of quiet time where I wasn't in the room. And now we've, uh, I mean, finally two months later, we've gotten to the point where she consistently will do a minimum of an hour of quiet time in her room without coming out or, you know, disturbing. And sometimes she even naps and she naps at daycare just fine. So um, it's almost just like, retraining and and kind of going through those exercises again just for an older child but treating her as if she is you know just much younger um like socially and 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 some of her skill sets so also early on there was a lot of grief between Everett and Journey I think that she she attached to us very quickly one thing I did not expect is she actually calls us mom and dad mommy and daddy she did from day two literally day two out of the gate and I was like (laughs) <laughs> um, you know, call everyone I know that, that does foster care. I was like, is this normal? Is this okay? Do I let her? Do I correct her? Like, to be honest with y'all, she's never asked for her mom or dad. She asked for her grandma a lot. And so – um we just were like, you know what? She hears our kids calling us mommy and daddy. And, like, if that's what she wants to do, we make sure that she knows, like, our names and who we are. But um, she's even mentioned, like, oh, I have two mommies. You know, so she knows that she has other parents out there um, that we hope. Obviously, the goal of foster care is reunification. So, like, that's the hope that we have for her. Um, But, yeah, that's just to kind of give you some context. So, with that, her becoming very attached very quickly, there was just, like, this pool between her and Everett and the attention, right? Because Kellen's not really, like he wants attention, but it's just, it's different because of the age. And so they were constantly fighting. I'm telling you that I was pulling them apart, kicking and screaming. And, you know, she was spitting and doing all of these like crazy wild things and upsetting Everett. And then Everett was regressing in some of those behaviors because he was seeing it in her. I mean, we were, I was breaking up a fight every 10 minutes for like two weeks. And it got to the point where I was like, if it doesn't get better... I'm going to have to, like, send her back. Like, I don't – like, it was just so traumatizing for my biological children. And then I was exhausted and I didn't know what to do. Um, And I had taken off, you know, that week, that first week or two – from work completely so that you know her and i could bond and like she could you know also we were waiting for a spot at daycare so it just it worked out well um but as soon as she finally started daycare and started having a sense of like community in that regard that got a lot better so by like week three week four we were finally to the point where while fighting on the weekends was still like pretty predominant, we weren't having it as much at night, which was helpful because she was wore out, you know, she was at school and uh, she just seems to really thrive and do better in bigger groups where that there's not like a singular focal point for attention. And so we were so thankful to um, that the, the state does pay for childcare. It doesn't pay for all of it, but pays for most of it. And, um, that she's thriving because she also just intellectually, you know, she needs, she needs that exposure, um, because she is, you know, behind a bit as well. So that was really hard. I also couldn't have done it without the support of my church and my community, the way that folks showed up for us, like still brings a tear to my eye. I mean, we had folks, we had a meal train, we had folks donating gift cards. We had, um, she is, um, she's mixed. So she does have African-American hair. And of course I just didn't personally have experience with that. And so the way that folks like brought all the products that I needed and showed me how to do her hair. And I mean, spent like three to four hours, um, one night helping me do her hair and just really, um, enveloping us in, in the community and and in their support of what we were doing is what got us through. So I will say a big part of this is while um, maybe we don't have the sense of community, like, your mom's not here to help. or grandparents aren't here to help. Some level of community is going to be necessary, e- even if it's just at the beginning. We had another great friend of ours, um, Leslie. She dropped off clothes that night. Like she asked, like you know, what what size do you think she is? She bought some stuff and brought it, so she had something to wear the very next day. I mean, just really folks going above and beyond, and just I wanted to publicly say thank you because um, it was hard to accept some of the help, but ultimately it's been what's best for her and and how we can can care for her. And so now that we've, it's about two months in, we still see like obviously some behavioral stuff that we're like working through, especially in public, um, bigger temp- temper tantrums, harder time regulating emotions, all things that again, totally normal for like a trauma response. And we can recognize that and we deal with that separately. Um, we're finally getting to a point where she's going to have play therapy, which is really exciting, trying to get her enrolled in speech therapy. She's been very slow, slow moving with. Um, the state to kind of get like Medicaid sorted out and appointments settled out, um, but that's our goal is to support her the best that we can. Now that uh, our home environment is what I would deem safe for my own biological children, and um, it's really been rewarding too to see Everett just grow a servant heart. And I think that him seeing us be not to like tutor our own horn by any means, but it is a selfless act, you know um, to care for another child. That's not your own. And for him to see that he's growing so much and he's even, um, just have to tell you this great story. So he gets treasure box every Friday at school and it's for being good all week. And it's just like the highlight of his week. I mean, they've got candy, they've got Capri Suns, they've got little toys. He looks forward to it all week. Okay. Always has. And even just this morning, um, journey like had a rough night or, um, she was just a little off this morning. And so Everett was trying to cheer her up and uh, she was even going to a field trip today. And he was like, journey, I'm going to, um, give you my treasure box on Friday. So what would you like me to pick? Cause I get to pick something. He's like, do you want a ring pop? He's like, what color ring pop do you want? Okay. I will make sure that I get that for you and I will give you a treat at the end of the week. And so just seeing him even like giving up something that's so important to him, um, and not being asked to, and and not really for seemingly like a, like a good reason, um, just like truly just makes me so proud. And so I can see that that's, um, having a positive impact on our family in that way as well. Um, not to negate Kellen's experience. I mean, he's just kind of, he's just kind of along for the ride right now. Bless his heart. Sweet boy. He just, he loves playing too. And he's a part of the gang and they include him on everything, which is like really great. So that is ultimately, everything I wanted to discuss today as like a part one of our foster care experience. Um, I'm hoping that like I can get one of these episodes out as, as needed or as there's big changes, but maybe like roughly every, uh, at least once a season for sure. So, um, as of right, for today's episode, I don't have a Be the Light or Find the Light section outside of um, if this is something that is calling to you, whether it's from the perspective of supporting a family member, loved one, or friend who is going through foster care or is going through an adoption. Um, I'm going to list some ways in which you can love and support on them, which are the exact same ways in which we were loved on. And so I can personally attest to how great that is. And then for to um, so Be the Light and then for Find the Light, just stating that um, if you are curious about becoming a foster parent, um, want to understand more of like the financial obligations, the time obligations, which I didn't speak to today. They are a bit different per state as well, um, but I'm happy to share my own experiences and also connect you with folks who um, who could give you more specific information. So I'll include a link to at least the Mississippi site so you can check on information for the state of Mississippi and uh, yeah, just hope that this um, speaks to those who need to hear it. So we'll go ahead and close in prayer and we'll move on to the next episode. Dear God, thank you again for this opportunity to come before you in prayer and just share um, how much I've appreciated all that you put on Skylar and I's hearts in terms of becoming a foster family and just seeing the way that you work and, and seeing those moments in which you've shown me um, even without, without asking, without deserving it, um, that we're doing the right thing and we're in the exact place that you intended us to be. God, I hope that you continue to watch over her journey and, um, you more than anyone just understand her situation, Lord, and understand her path and her purpose. And, um, while we're just playing a small role in that, I just ask that you continue to keep her in mind and pray that she ultimately gets the love and the family that, um, that we hope to have for her. In Jesus name we pray. Amen. Thank you all so much and we'll see you next time.